Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa State Cyclones back on the hardwood tonight as they welcome in West Virginia. The Cyclones sit at 4-3 and three in Big 12 play. 6 o'clock tip-off tonight. Hear the game on 100.3 The Bus. Iowa State is now projected to win the Big 12 regular season title at Ken Palm after last night's Texas win against Kansas. Coleman up ahead. the final, the call from ESPN. In the Big Ten, fifth-ranked Michigan runs past Ohio State 65-49. Brasdakis from the corner, three. Canadian lad Brasdakis had 14 for the Wolverines. Michigan travels to Iowa Friday night at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Also in the Big Ten last night, Maryland beats up Northwestern 70-52. Wisconsin with the road win at Nebraska 62-51. Along with Iowa State tonight, Northern Iowa's in action at Sister Jean and the Ramblers of Loyola. Drake hosts Illinois State at 7 o'clock. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. It's the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. About 10 minutes or so. Frank Schwab live from Atlanta, YahooSports.com. And then Alex Halstead at about 11.35, 11.40. Cyclone alert. We'll preview West Virginia and Iowa State. Trent, uh, during the break, I saw on Twitter that Caesars has posted their odds uh, as far as the 2020 National Championship in college football. Ooh, I'm, I'm in suspense. Who's the favorite? What do you think? Alabama. Right. Who's the second choice? Clemson. Uh, <laughs> Who's number three? Oh. Who's number three? You know who number three is? Uh, take a guess. I'll give you two guesses. Georgia. Yes. I only, you only needed one guess. Number four is? Hang on a second. This is where it gets a little tricky. I don't want to give you a bad information. Okay. There are two teams at 15 to one. You won't get one of them. Ohio State? Is one of them. And the other is, you won't get it. Central Florida. No. <laughs> They're 200 to 1. 200 to 1. Same price as Iowa State. They were the national champions two years ago. Yeah. Self-proclaimed. Right. Nothing Who's wrong that with other that? 15 to 1 team? Thinking cap. Michigan? New. No. Put on your thinking cap. As impressive, Texas. ding, ding, ding. Oh boy, here you, we they're back. Are they're they back? Yes. What constitutes back? Well, when the Big Twelve, yes, they haven't done that. Nope. Uh, earn there's earn a place in the playoff. Do they have to win a game in the playoff? No. Get to the playoff. Get to the playoff. And Get then to we, the playoff. Represent we can the Big Twelve. Say that they are back. Mm-hmm. Officially so. back. I mean, everybody's going to have a different threshold of back, right? Here's the weird thing about, at least for me, Texas football. Somebody in their late 30s. Texas football, throughout the 80s and most of the 90s, was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were 7-4. and four. Yeah, by their standards. Right. Bad, right. They weren't national championship contention. They weren't, until Mac Brown got there, it mm-hmm. was a, mm-hmm. was it Mahalovich? Is that the guy's name? Not Mahalovich. He coached at Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, but, didn't end well. But but like some of the coaches during that time, it just after Daryl Royal, it, yeah. I never thought of Texas as big time growing up. No, I don't think I think that's fair. But they uh, they certainly were under Mac Brown, yes. culminating with uh, the Vince Young show at the Rose Bowl, which is one of those games you'll you'll never forget. Iowa, by the way, this is a bad price on Iowa. This is a bad price on Iowa. Well, what do you think Iowa should be? Iowa State's two hundred to one, one hundred twenty-five to one. They're seventy-five to one. Yeah, that's a bad price. That's a bad price. Wisconsin's the favorite in the West at sixty to one. But you know, uh, this summer, if I go out to the South Point, I'll buy a ticket uh, on Iowa seventy-five to one. Yeah. I think you should shop around. Well, I Caesars ha- has seventy-five to one. I'm not sure that'll be the consensus. A, I had a ticket in 2015. At what? It was a hundred and either one hundred twenty-five or one hundred and fifty. Surprised, to one. yeah. Wow. So close. Got, got but close. still, I mean, they would have played Alabama in the right. semifinals and got yeah. beat by 40. Probably so. You Probably know. so. Hey, before we get to Frank Schwab, there's a, a rule proposal that's floating around in the NFL that I kind of like. Uh, and it all goes back to the end of the NFC Championship, right? And apparently there's a uh, there's going to be consideration given to challenging a judgment call, which is 
you know, you can't challenge judgment calls. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to this point, I mean, you know, if, if you get right down to it, they're all judgment calls. Some of them are clearer than clearer than the others. But there's going to be a disincentive that comes along with it. So let me kind of equate this to the NHL. But right. when 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 um, replay came to the NHL, you could challenge offsides, mm-hmm. and you could do so. You got a couple of cha- I think you get one challenge in the NHL, and challenge if you're wrong, you're wrong. You move on, right? You lose your timeout. In the NHL now, if you challenge an offside, you lose your timeout, plus you're uh, given a two-minute delay of game penalty, oh. which makes it really difficult. So you could challenge offside on a goal, lose it, goal still stands, and now you're shorthanded. So the NFL sees... I don't know if they saw what the NHL has done, if they're borrowing that, the disincentive. So if you want to challenge a judgment call mm-hmm. and you're wrong... They are going to come up with a penalty. I don't know what it would be. Delay a game. Is five yards seem like enough? I don't Maybe think 10? so. Maybe ten. Maybe ten. Yeah. But uh, at least at least they are willing to, you know, discuss ways of making like that, that rule better. And so Bill Belichick's got the red flag in his sock. Mm-hmm. Does he put a green flag in the other sock? What? How does I this think, work? I think it all falls under the red flag, Trent. The red flag it's umbrella. All, it's all going to be one flag. I it, think so. You just have to explain to the official. Yeah, that I'm is not weird. challenging the spot here. I'm challenging actually the judgment. The judgment. I I think there was. How about holding? Yeah. Is this constitute a part of it? I mean, you can find there you, is some egregious holding that is let go. Missed. Yeah, or missed. I, I hope it's missed as opposed no, to let it, go. It's let go. Sadly, I think you're right because seemingly on every single play, you could call holding, yeah. either offensive or defensive. Probably a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, an interesting rule. All right, uh, at least a proposal at this point. Hmm. We'll see if it gains any momentum in the offseason. That's one of the beauties of the NFL. There's always something to discuss, yes. even though there's no games being played. You Look, you can't do that in the NBA. You can do it to an extent in MLB, um, but certainly nowhere near to the level of NFL. When's the NFL's offseason? First two weeks of July. That is it. Essentially. That's when the Peter, Peter King. King goes on vacation, <laughs> the NFL is closed for business. We've seen enough. Yeah, seen enough. We'll take a time out. We haven't heard enough of Frank Schwab. Uh, he will join us next. He's live in Atlanta. Alex Halstead on tonight's Iowa State Tilt, uh, West Virginia. Uh, they will be tipping at 6 o'clock at Hill. What kind of crowd do you think we'll see? Nearly banged out. I think so too. I think so. Too. Now, what kind of crowd will we see? Uh, is does Illinois and Minnesota play tonight? Is that the Big Ten game? Up in the barn. Up in the barn, where it's way colder, significantly colder there than it is here. If you've ever been to the barn, and I have uh, many times mm-hmm. throughout the years, not the easiest place to mm-hmm. get to in That's terms true. of parking. Yep. You're going to have to make a. You're going to walk. Yep. You're going to make a walk in this for Illinois. For Illinois. They did throttle Minnesota a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. They but did. And then Illinois came to Iowa City and got just destroyed. No. no. 8,000? Yeah. Stay at home and watch it on BTN. Yeah. Half, half the building, as opposed to Iowa State, they'll get 12-5 probably in there. a few no-shows. The wonder, I wonder about the students, like the ones that live in the dorms and have to make the walk and how the busing system is working and are buses running right now in Ames? Question I don't know the answer to. I know school's out. Students, and they've had all day. Well lubricated. They'll be primed. Uh, We'll take a timeout. Frank Schwab joins us next. Miller and Condon are here till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Frank Schwab has the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53 covered. He's in Atlanta uh, for Super Bowl 53, filing content at yahoosports.com and plenty of it. Shut down corner. Frank joins us. Frank, thanks for finding time for Des Moines. Appreciate that. I know you're busy. Trenton, Ken, how are you? Hey, going well. Doing well. Uh, so does it feel like, um, I mean, kind of set the scene for us. Uh, more people arriving in town. Does it feel like the Super Bowl is, you know, inching his way closer to Sunday? Give us kind of an idea what the atmosphere has been like for Super Bowl 53 midweek. Oh, yeah. It always, every day, it, it seems to grow and multiply this crowd. And, you know, I'm just standing here right now, just uh, basically on Radio Row, and you just see, you know, 
players you, you recognize uh, from the past, from the present, Hall of Famers, coaches. It's just it's such a cool scene. It, it really is every single year. It's it's like the uh, the football convention, and mm-hmm. and then we're going to get a really good, uh, really good game on Sunday. I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. And I think that we've got a really good chance to get that. I'm I'm curious to know. I know you wrote a a big piece, uh, your your latest piece, at least the latest I saw last time I checked was was on the uh, viability of the Patriots continuing. You know, we're still here, but how much longer can the dynasty last? The players that you've spoken with, ex players, players that are still in the league, when they're asked about this Patriots team, what's their answer in regards to how much longer this can last, Frank? I just think there's reverence, and I think most of it is, hey, they've they've gone this long, <laughs> you know, why why would we think that it's, it's going to end? And that's kind of my attitude, too. You can you can point to a few reasons why, yeah, it looks like, the, you know, maybe Gronkowski retires, maybe Devin McCourty, he's brought up retirement this week, and Brady's going to be another year older, and you know, I, I mean, this you, you could come up with reasons why the Patriots might be a little vulnerable. Then you get to the end of the, and you just say, well, okay, all that's true, but we've talked about all this before. They've lost free agents. They've had guys leave their team. They've, they've looked vulnerable at times, and, and here they are still. So I personally don't think they're going anywhere, at least not for another year. I think they can come back and be you know, just as good next year, especially in a bad division. And it's not out of the question that we're going to be sitting here with another Patriots Super Bowl next year. I, I, I'm not a, exactly in favor of it, but just because personally, professionally, selfishly, I've, I've written all the Patriots Super Bowl stories I've wanted to write in my lifetime. But it's, uh, yeah, for people who hate the Patriots, I, I don't necessarily think that that there's uh, they're going away after this year. They they could very well be here next year again too. Wouldn't be a shocker, Frank. As you go through, one thing that I, I was interested in. This is now the ninth time during this era that they have been there. The Rams on the other side, new, if you will, just two years in L.A. after the move from St. Louis. What is the attendance going to be like in terms of the fans? And Super Bowl prices are always ridiculous. Have you got any any temperature, maybe from the local media on each side of things, of, of how each fan base is going to make their way to Atlanta? Yeah, not yet. I, I, I kind of sense, at least at this point, more Patriots fans. And just because there are more Patriots fans, right. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, even though LA's a big place uh, and they are growing there, I don't think it's going to be like Philly last year. Philly was, I, I mean, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis was, it, it almost felt like a, an Eagles home mm-hmm. game at times. I, we're not getting that this year. And even though there might be some. You know, Patriots fatigue, and I kind of assume that if you're a Patriots fan who has ever wanted to go to a Super Bowl, you've probably done it already because they've made it so many different times. But it's uh, it's one of those things where I, I think that, that the Patriots fans are still here. They're still going to dominate the crowd. I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, 90-10, but I think when you get to it, when you get to the game and you're listening to what's going on and the Patriots make a big play, I think you're going to hear much more of a reaction that way than from the Rams, but not to a point where I think it's going to affect the game either way. Uh, will Todd Gurley affect the game in, in any way? And we go back to the NFC Championship. I mean, here's as, 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 as potent an offensive player as the, as the, we saw in the regular season, yet it's C.J. Anderson at crunch time, and I think uh, Gurley touched the ball once uh, in, in the second half. He's such a difference maker. Frank, what was... Have you been able to, you know, to dig into that at all? What kept him out of the game against New Orleans, and what kind of game do you think he's going to have on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, this is just an opinion, and nobody has said it. Nobody's confirmed this, but I think it's hurt. I think you almost have to assume that his knee that kept him out the last two weeks has bothered him. It just doesn't make any other sense. Nothing else makes sense to me. The whole, like, oh, it was just the flow of the game, or... I didn't call the right plays to get Gurley involved. Uh, he's an MVP, basically an MVP candidate. He's a reigning offensive player of the year. He's practically a Hall of Fame talent. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't, I don't think that that's. I just don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy that Sean McVay just kind of forgot about Todd Gurley. I do think he's hurt, and that does bring in questions about how much are they going to use him? How much are we going to see him versus? 
you know, C.J. Anderson. I don't know the answer to that, honestly. They keep saying, and McVay said yesterday, he's going to have a, you know, a big role in this game. Uh, again, today, so I think uh, Jared Goff was talking about how he's going to be a big part of the game. But until we see it, I don't know. I can't be convinced yet because I do think this is injury-related, and I'm not fully sure that hey, maybe he's not healthy yet. Frank, uh, schematically, Bill Belichick will have something you're sure for, for McVay and and Goff and the rest of that offense. On the other side, though, with, with the defense of the Rams and how good they can be with Donald, with Sue in the middle of things, what schematically are they going to try to do to slow down that Patriots offense? I think the only thing you can do against the Patriots is rush four. I, I just I think that blitzing more, sending extra rushers, even though Wade will do that on occasion, I just think that's a recipe for disaster against Brady. I think he's just... Mm-hmm. He's just too good. He's just he's too, just fast. too good yep. at figuring out where the rush is coming from, getting rid of the ball. Their offensive line works very, very well. They have not allowed a sack in the playoffs yet. And I think that they know that. And you look back and famously, you know, the Giants, both both of their Super Bowl wins against the Patriots, they got a rush with four. They disrupted Brady that way. I think that's the only way it works. And you know, the, the Rams have the guys to do that. Uh, Aaron Donald is as good as we've ever seen from the middle of the de- defensive line. And, and Dante Fowler's really come along, uh, who they traded for Jacksonville. And so they have the guys, I think if, if you're sitting there and you're the Rams, you're saying, how are we going to beat Tom Brady? How are we going to beat the Patriots? I think that they're saying, well, it's got to be with the front four. And if those guys don't get home a few times, we're going to have a long day. Yeah, his release is so quick, no doubt about it. Is that maybe the best story? And it's hard to, you know, quantify what is the best, but there's got to be a whole lot of love for Andrew Whitworth, who toiled for a long time, uh, finally won his first playoff game or was part of a team that won their first playoff game. Uh, getting up there in age, this might be it. I mean, he may t- peel off the pads for the final time on Sunday. I'm not sure he's, you know, he's mentioned either way. What he plans to do but this has to be one of the better stories of Super Bowl week I would assume Frank yeah he he really is it just kind of guy you feel good for and I did ask him yesterday I, I was talking to him and that you know retirement came up I said you know, are you, you gonna retire if you win is a big he said the game doesn't matter whatever happens he's gonna do what he always does and that's kind of sit down with his family and figure it out after a season when you know the emotions aren't as high and that's a smart way to do it so who knows he could keep, he definitely could keep playing if he wants to because he's one of the still one of the best tackles in football He's really kind of underrated in, in how he changed the Rams. I mean, when he came aboard, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Todd Gurley has had two unbelievable seasons. Jared Goff got a ton better. I mean, he's a heck of an offensive tackle. He really he really calmed down that line that, that, that really wasn't very good before he got there. So, great story. I never even won a playoff game before the Cowboys game this season. It's it's great. I mean, that's you know that's why these guys play this game. They, they play to to you know have success make money but they also play to win super bowls and for a guy who you know he was old for seven i believe before this year for him to get to get to this point it's great he's he's been such a big part of the rams and it's it's fun to see guys like that here frank we will finally get to hear from roger goodell today at the state of the nfl address that he has on the wednesday before the super bowl but it's going to be mired certainly in the nfc championship game the no call and everything with it the league I think most everybody can can agree has handled this poorly. What do you think today is going to be like with Goodell? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and the thing I've said all along about it is there's nothing he can say to make it better. There's mm-hmm. nothing he can say where everybody's going to say, "Well, that was satisfactory." Either <laughs> right. he yeah. basically, I mean, either he basically says, "Yeah, we got the call wrong," and in which case you're admitting that the wrong team's in the Super Bowl. Basically, not that the Rams didn't deserve it, but. Hey, they make the right call. The Saints are here, or he kind of says, "Well, that's a judgment call, and our referees." And well, then you're just insulting our intelligence. Mm-hmm. You, you, we all saw it. We, you, you already find the guy for a helmet helmet hit. So I don't know what he can say. I really don't. I, I don't know what would make everybody happy. I, he should have addressed it by now. This shouldn't be still lingering the Wednesday of Super Bowl week, but. I just, it's it has been handled poorly. It was handled poorly from the jump when, you know, when Bill Vinovich comes out to meet a pool reporter and right. and says, "I haven't seen the play." Right. What are you talking about? You haven't seen the play. You know, you're going to be talking to this guy about it. Go go watch it for ten seconds. That that that's ridiculous and it's kind of shameful for the NFL. But yeah, it's one of those things where 
This, this is the biggest officiating controversy, I believe, in NFL history. Mm. I, I don't know what would be bigger because yeah. it directly impacted who played in the Super Bowl and maybe who wins the championship. And, and, and for them to, it's still Wednesday, and, and Goodell's going to be hopefully asked about it today. It, it's it's really strange, and I don't. I really don't know how he handles this to make it make it right. Mm. Last thing for me, uh, Brandon Cooks uh, is just a class act, inviting the custodian of the Rams, uh, and I guess there was others that chipped in as well, or maybe not. I've, I've seen both ways. That, anyways, the, he facilitated getting the, the Rams janitor uh, from the complex back in L.A. and his son to the Super Bowl. All expenses paid. Incredibly class gesture there. But to think back to last year, I mean, Cooks was he had one reception, got concussed on the play and never saw uh, the field again. Nice that he's getting back, and by all accounts, a guy that really deserves it both on and off the field. Yeah, he's a, he's a strange case. I, I, I'm writing about him later in the week, but you know, I, guys of his stature, guys who are as good as he is, don't get traded twice in a row. But yeah, good point. <laughs> basically, basically, I was for first round picks each time. So it's not like teams are trying to dump him. Like you know, the various teams tried to dump Brandon Marshall a few years ago. It's it's the teams covet him and and you know, giving up first round picks for him. I, I it's it's a strange a strange road he's been on. And it's kind of funny that the two teams have traded him. He could you know yeah. beat the Saints, beat the Patriots. Right. So a, a great player, cool story, and just one of those guys. It's it's the Rams, you know, I wrote about this months and months ago that, you know, everybody kind of talks about how it's not, you know, you can't build a team, or you can't build a champion of free agency, you can't. But since when is it a bad idea to get good players? I think the Rams went out and said, hey, we got Jared Goff on his rookie deal. We can go load up mm-hmm. with guys like Brandon Cooks, like Adamakong Sue, Marcus Peters, Keith Leap. I think that was a smart way to do it, and that's why they're here. They they were aggressive, and they said, we have a window. We're going to try to take advantage of it. Well, I'm going to go to Yahoo Sports later in the week and, and read your column as to how you're going to see the Super Bowl shaping up and help us, our radio audience out. Who are you going to pick, Frank? Have you decided yet? Yeah, I'm I'm on the Patriots here. I think that the Rams are the better team over the full season, but lately the Patriots are just playing great, great football. And that started in Week 17. I I was watching that game and just saying, maybe the Jets are just mailing us in. Maybe they they don't care to be here. But there's something about the way the Patriots are playing today. Maybe they're they're peaking at the right time, and that's certainly carried over into the Chargers game, into the Chiefs game. Playing great. I I do think – I think experience in the Super Bowl is a little overrated, but – there's still something to it. And you could tell the way the Patriots are acting this week. It's just, it's so old hat to them. Mm-hmm. Not that it's, not that they're not happy to be here, but just the, the things they have to deal with, the, the stage, it's not too big for them. They know what to do. They, I do think that matters at some extent. So, yeah, I think the Patriots win a close game, a good game, but I just think that the Rams are a better team over the season, but the Patriots are a better team right now. Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com, the shutdown corner, yahoosports.com, are one of their NFL guys. Frank, thank you for what you do for us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. Frank Schwab, a Badger grad. Yes. Uh, chiming in from Atlanta mm-hmm. on Radio Row by the sounds of things as we catch him there. Nice win for the Badgers. It was. Uh, this Nebraska team, Trent, you know, we should probably maybe simple tomorrow. We haven't had them in a long time. Mm-hmm. Since football season, I don't think. Um, maybe we should catch up with old buddy Sip. It's headed south. Both Nebraska and Indiana going the wrong mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. This is the conversation that we've had. And Nebraska hosts Iowa to end the regular season, correct? Where will that team be at that point? Fighting for an NCAA tournament bid or season over? Well, Shelby still has them as a 10 today, 10 seed. And uh, Gannett's bracketologist Shelby Master joins us. The metrics still really like them as a team. Do uh, do they? Ken Palm has them 22nd. Net, I know they're still really high. Uh So have they done enough to... I mean, they still have work to do. Well, you, you just can't rely on... And, and this is what we're going to get into this year. The NCAA built the system, the net, uh-huh. with efficiency being important. I saw Will Wade, the LSU coach. He was talking about at the end of the game, they were up 10. Somebody dribbled out the clock. That's a defensive stop. That helps with their efficiency Are in this kidding? metric. It, it helps them. And he's been... How scheduling plays into it, but so that's the, the other the, the team that LSU was beating up by 10 just waved the white flag and they dribbled just dribbled out the, the clock. clock. And he yeah. said that's a good thing for us. Oh, boy. Because it's a defensive stop and it helps yeah. your defensive efficiency. <laughs> Interesting. But they built this. How married is the selection? Nobody knows. Shelby Mass doesn't he know. said the same thing as yesterday. Lenardi doesn't know. Them. All these guys, they don't know how this is... This is going to be one of the more intriguing selection Sundays, I think, in a long time. And you know what else in, in advance of that? And I hope they're going to do it again. You know, they always said they pick 
what is it, 10 writers, mm-hmm. 10 media people that are allowed to go to Indianapolis and do that mock? Yes. I wonder if, if they, A, that's going to happen this year and they will implement what exactly how they're going to use just what you were talking about. So we'll maybe have a better idea if indeed that exercise uh, is held. I, I, got hope. A, I got a little uh, studying for you. A place you can go to see what the net ranking team sheets look like. If you go to warrennolan.com. Warren Nolan? Yes. Used to be RPI site. And now he has both RPI and the new net. So you can see what the net rankings are every day. But you can also click on the team sheet for each team and what the selection committee sees. I think you'll be interested to see kind of how things break down and and how the resumes for Iowa and Iowa State and everybody else kind of look to it. Yeah. Also. Indeed. WarrenNolan.com. WarrenNolan.com. Good resource there, Trent Condon. Alex Halstead's a great resource for us when it comes to Iowa State. We will uh, talk uh, mostly basketball, but there's football news. As we mentioned earlier, both Butler and Montgomery are headed to the Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, Trent and I will come back and we'll preview Iowa State, West Virginia with Alex Halstead from Cyclone Alert. We're here with you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hey, it's Heather from The Morning Rush. Join us tomorrow at 6 a.m. from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. Chuck Hattie here once again. New Leaf Wellness. It is cold outside. Let's find a way to feel better and do it in a multitude of different ways, starting with their testosterone replacement therapy. As we get older, our testosterone starts to go down. They have a therapy for you there, migraine treatment programs. And if you're just looking to lose weight, Going on right now, their food sensitivity test combined with their weight loss evaluation is 20% off. Just a couple days left with it here in the month of January. Get on it right now. How to get involved? Well, just make a call today for your free consultation at 515-650-1358. Again, 650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. They're located over in West Des Moines near Valley West Mall, 3930 West Town Parkway, or make that phone call. You can also find out more information and find out how New Leaf can help you out at newleafcenters.com. Also, Valentine's Day, just a couple weeks away, guys. Jump on that gifting right now. And going on at this moment, their farmhouse fresh skincare products, a free gift with a minimum $15 purchase. All happening right now at New Leaf Wellness. And make sure to tell them that Trent sent you. Your home for Iowa State women's basketball is right here. This is head coach Bill Fenley on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon, final segment on a Wednesday. Thanks for being with us. If you missed any portion of the program or you would like to uh, listen to a guest one more time, whether it be Frank Schwab or Cappy, Chris Andrews. We went inside the numbers with Chris Andrews from the South Point at about 1025. That was, a, I thought, a very entertaining piece. Uh, you can go to kxno.com and uh, listen to that again. Uh, let's get Alex Halstead in here, cyclonealert.com. A lot of ground to cover uh, with Alex, and he joins us. Alex, good to talk to you today. Uh, Trent and Ken, how are you? I'm doing good. Staying warm so far, but eventually I'm going to have to venture outside to get to Hilton Coliseum. The so. coldest walk in the Big 12 is how Blair Kirkhoff referred to it, uh, that walk into Hilton Coliseum. <laughs> and, uh, hard, to, hard to argue with him. You know, Trent and I were, were uh, bantering this around earlier. Uh, Lazard was at the Combine last year. Of course, this year they've got two with Butler and Montgomery. Can you remember the last time Iowa State had two players invited to the Combine? Because I can't. I want to say it was, um, and maybe I'm getting my years mixed up, but I want to say Jake Not and A.J. Klein both went together. That would that make year. sense. That would have been way back in like 2013 or maybe even before then, because uh, I know 2014 was Jeremiah George. Um, I don't know if he can't remember if he went to the Combine, but um, I remember Jake Not and A.J. Klein both went. I can't remember what year that would have been, but you know, a little early in the 2010s. Yep. Yep, that would make sense that those guys, those guys both had an opportunity to go. Of course, Klein's still uh, playing a significant role with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Well, uh, good for them. Look for. Will you be going? Do you know? Uh, I'm I'm looking into it right now. I'm hoping to go. You know, Iowa State basketball's on the road um, twice. Then games that I won't go to down in Texas. So um, the Indianapolis drive isn't as far as it. As it's not bad at all, as you would think. And so looking into that. Uh, it's a lot easier to drive than, than I thought it might be. It's like nine hours, I think, is what uh, I made it in. Um, maybe not even, maybe eight and a half. It's not bad at uh, bad at all. Well, um, 
let, let us know, and obviously we'll promote that as we uh, love having you on here. And if you're going to be down there, we will um, uh, impose on you a little bit from the combine. Uh, let's talk basketball. And, you know, specifically um, after last night's result, and I don't know where, if you were like most of us, Alex, that, yeah, we assumed that when it's all said and done, Kansas is going to be there. And they just don't look like the same Kansas team. But until we're proven wrong, right, we're going to uh, put Kansas at the top. Uh, did you see Texas uh, beat them last night uh, in Austin? And are you willing to go where Ken Palm went this morning and, you know, knock Kansas off? Is that uh, they're going to do it again kind of plateau that they seemingly are always on? Yeah, I, I did watch that game. And it, it's the interesting part of, of Kansas this year is that when you look at their 14-year run in winning Big 12 titles, they typically obviously always take care of home. But the reason they're winning these titles every year is because they take care of the road a little bit, too. You know, you're not going to win your eight games on the road, but I looked back their last 14 years in, in those 14 titles, and basically every year they're winning at least five, and most years, I think 10 of the 14 years, they've won at least six road games to win the conference. So they're going six and three on the road, and that's why they're able to, to win the titles. Right now, though, they're one and three, and, and they have not played well on the road. Um, and even at, or even at uh, Allen Fieldhouse, you know, they had the, the narrow win against Iowa State. They had a narrow win against Texas there. Um, you know, TCU played them close until late. So they're they're really hanging with everybody, hanging close with everybody, and, and now they're one and three on the road, and that's that's the big question: um, is what what will they do on the road in the next five? And I think that's probably going to probably going to define where they end up. Um, but you're right, you know, you start to see Ken Palm and uh, even ESPN's BPI. They have Iowa State and Kansas really neck and neck now, um, and in some cases Iowa State slightly ahead with the win projections. And, and until you see what Kansas does here in the next couple of weeks, I think it's hard to say that yet because. I think everybody's just waiting for Kansas to go on a stretch where they win six straight like they do most years. But the big question is going to be, can they start to win on the road a little bit more? Alex, it's West Virginia coming in tonight, the beginning of this two-game homestand. And with it, not for West Virginia of the past, you think of Huggins' squad, you think of Press Virginia and everything that they do. This team's bad defensively. Frankly, they're just bad. And you couple it with James Bolden being out and everything else going on here. Anything short of a cyclone easy victory, I think it'd be a bit of a surprise tonight. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, if you look at the betting line and it's open at twelve and a half, it's still twelve, and that seems like it's got to be a, you know that that sort of game for Iowa State. You mentioned the the defense for West Virginia. That's one thing Prome talked about. He didn't say that their defense was bad, but he said it looks different. That in years past when they prepared for them, you know, you've obviously looked at the you know ninety four feet of pressure for most of 40 minutes. He said they're not playing as much of that relentless full-court, 94-feet type stuff so far this year. And I think some of that is Bob Huggins is just having to change things a little bit because of the team he has. Right now, the adjusted defense on Ken Palm, I think they're 143rd in the country. And in the last four years, they've been top 50. And actually, mm-hmm. three of those years, I think they've been top 25. You know, They were fourth and sixth um, when you look at two of those different years since 2015. So this is a team that normally he's forcing a ton of turnovers. I think forced more than 16 turnovers a game last year, which was third most in college basketball. Now they're like in the 150s or lower. So they're just not turning people over as much, and offensively they haven't been a great team, and that's been kind of a, a disaster for them entering Hilton at 1-6 tonight, and, and that one win, obviously a big one, yep. Kansas by one point, but um, – but they've struggled mightily. Yeah, they really have. And I think, you know, in, in contained in that streak that you just referenced was that just improbable loss to K-State. I mean, they had such a huge, seemingly an insurmountable win, uh, lead, but yet they found a way to give it away. I think when, you know, when it's all said and done on this West Virginia team, I think you're going to be able to pinpoint there is where it started to go in the wrong direction. You're right about the Kansas win, though. Uh, that was massive. Well, let me get to Lindell Wigington, who really played well, as you know, at Old Miss. So did Camera Lard, and you know the speculation's been out there. When's he going to be back in the starting lineup? Prom has hinted at it. Some thought that it would happen on the road against their SEC foe this past weekend. Boy, he played well coming from off the bench this past week again. What do you anticipate tonight? Is tonight the night that Wigington earns his place back in the starting lineup? I think you could start to hear soon that on that on about any night because Prom's keeping it pretty close to his best. You know, we asked them about it Monday, and he kind of hedged and said, you guys are worrying about it way more than I am. You're, I'm mm-hmm. just answering your questions, but I'm not really thinking about it. He, he's kind of getting disinterested in the topic, and it seems a little bit like you know maybe he's trying to himself find the right time to do this, and 
Um, also, I think when they win a game like they did Saturday, maybe it keeps pushing it back a game. Yeah. Um, you know, Wigginton, like you said, has played well off the bench two of the last three. Obviously, he really struggled against Kansas, but I don't know when he's going to do this. I do think it's going to happen at some point. Um, but, you know, he said Monday, he's like, they, he thinks they have seven different guys that could start. And he told the team um, after that game that, you know, look at Mario Sayak. He didn't play the last, I think, 10 minutes of the, of the Ole Miss game is what he told the team. I didn't double-check him on it yet, but um, that's what he told the team. And so he's kind of almost even telling the team, like, hey, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who's in there in crunch time. So he's even starting to hedge a little bit, but I still got to think it's going to happen at some point in the near future. Who is the MVP of this Iowa State team? Not the best player, not the best NBA talent. Who's the most valuable player to this year's Iowa State squad? It's got to be one of two guys. Yeah, the two guys that initially come to mind are, um, you know, Mario Sayak. The fact that, you know, some of the stuff that he's done in recent games, the 20-point games, I don't think any of us expect him to be the Big 12's leading scorer. The other guy that comes to mind is maybe Tyree Caliper, and then I know scoring-wise the numbers mm-hmm. aren't necessarily there every night. In fact, sometimes it seems like he doesn't really shoot threes uh, a whole lot, but he's been this calming effect. Those games mm-hmm. were, were prone plays for 39 minutes, and it, maybe he doesn't have huge numbers, but it just seems like when he's out there, things run a little bit smoother. Yeah, I would have gone the career achievement with Nick Weiler Babb, who yeah. really impresses me. I think that and I said it this week, uh, Alex. I think you know when he's gone, people are going to look back and 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 maybe they've underestimated just what he's meant to this team. He's, he's you said steadying influence with with Halliburton. I agree with you, but Weiler Babb seems to be that guy for me. Yeah, and he almost sometimes does does things a little bit quietly. I think the biggest frustration with him from. I didn't do anything, Trent. Uh oh. Don't give me that look. Uh oh. I didn't touch it. I think it's a cell phone. The cold got him. Well, a direction that I wanted to go. A guy that we didn't mention. As far as MVP candidate? Well, Jacobson was great early. My- Michael Jacobson, because think of the injury to Solomon Young, mm-hmm. the suspension of Cam Lard. Mm-hmm. They don't have another big guy. No. Look at his role in Hawaii. I mean, go it was, back it to was Hawaii. Condit. Condit could, but. George Conner was having to play 30 minutes a game no, here no, over the last no, two and a half no, months. No, 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 no. How bad a shape would Iowa State be yeah, in right now? Probably so. And Conner's a nice player. Are you there, Alex? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, go ahead. Um, Trent, you had a. What Did, you were saying, Alex, fire away. Finish your thought. We lost you there briefly. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I was just saying that I think, yeah, I agree with you on the, the bad part. I think sometimes the biggest frustration from, from Steve Prohm is that maybe he's just uh, not aggressive enough at times. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, Outside of his aggression, you know, when he does take the ball to the hoop and, and he does do some of those things, he sometimes quietly puts up these eight assist games. And I think that goes a little bit under the radar because maybe the points aren't always there. But I do think he's been that, that steadying force for them at times as well. Mm. Uh, when you saw Texas last night, they've, they've clearly got some guys on that roster. I mean, Smart's got some players. That's next week. And I don't want to just kind of gloss over this West Virginia. They're a double-digit uh, dog, West Virginia. Iowa State should win the basketball game. Uh, Texas coming to town. Where were you prior to seeing them beat Kansas last night? Did they do anything to change your opinion that maybe you were, I don't know, not overlooking, but maybe not giving them the due that they maybe deserve? Ostakowski played his best game of the year, I thought, last night. Yeah, I think watching them, you, you kind of realize all this young talent they have and that maybe at some point it just kind of clicks. Um, and there are going to be games with, where they're dangerous. They've underachieved, obviously, yep. this year. They're, they're an 11-9 and team you know, before yesterday. And the interesting thing to me was that if, if uh, Texas had lost this week to Kansas and Iowa State, which obviously won't happen because they just beat Kansas, Shaka Smart was going to be 11-11 this season and 61-61 and in his career, which hmm. seems to start to think he might be on the hot seat. But he does have a lot of talent there, and I think they're capable on, in, on any given night to do what they did last night to Kansas. Um, and so I think they are a dangerous team. But coming into the week, you know, I think I wrote Monday, like, these are both must-win for Iowa State if they want to compete here down the stretch in February because you look at the remaining 11 games, um, seven of the 11 are quadrant one games. Two of the four that aren't are West Virginia and Texas. You know, after they get to the midway point Saturday, seven of their last nine games are quadrant one games. And that's a difficult stretch, but that means they've really got to take care of these two games this week. Full circle, we started with football. Let's end with football. National Signing Day, it is a week away. So much different than it was just a couple of years ago, obviously, with the early signing date in college football. But Iowa State, the final weekend, have uh, guys come on campus. Anything happening there with Campbell's squad? 
Well, it's, it's been a weird month because they signed 20 in December, and so it's been really quiet, and they haven't added anything to the 20. They really have not expanded their board. There's been a couple of guys that have either gone elsewhere or kind of dropped off. And now all of a sudden here with one week to go, things are starting to pick up a little bit. They are in on uh, receiver Alante Brown, a recent, a recent uh, Michigan State decommit. Uh, he just released a new top five yesterday of uh, Florida State, Tennessee, Iowa State, Pittsburgh, and Texas Tech. He was just at Florida State last weekend. Um, we have him as a top 247 prospect right now, a, a four-star, a 5'10 receiver from Chicago. Iowa State saw him last week. Before he decommitted, they were in yesterday to see him again. He's going to decide here soon what he's going to do with this final visit. But um, I think Iowa State's got a, a real legit shot with him. Uh, I think Florida State's definitely in play there, but Iowa State could be um, a dark horse here down the stretch for him. Uh, so that's a name to watch down the stretch. And then I think there's going to be a couple other names that could still um, show up this weekend. But I think Iowa State's figuring out what they're going to do, and a lot of that could depend on, on what Brown does. But the transfer recruiting is going to continue on. I don't know if anything's going to happen by next Wednesday. Obviously, transfers don't have to sign on National Signing Day. Um, but receivers are still a, a kind of big point for Iowa State on the transfer market. Uh, but they're looking at defensive backs as well. And those could happen in maybe February or March. I mean, transfers don't have to sign by any given date other than when they arrive on campus. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, uh, who do you take in the Super Bowl? Um, I'll go Rams just for just for something different. The, the young guy beating the, the legend. Love it. I'm, on, I'm, I'm with you. Hope it happens. Thank you, Alex Halstead. Good to talk to you. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead. CycloneAlert.com. Another one for the Rams, Trent Condon. Write that one down. We got uh, a bunch of people on the Rams right now. Of our guests this week, I have five Rams and two Patriots. Is that a fact? Five to two. Patriot fatigue? Probably. I think something there has to do, something has to do with that, right? You, uh, is there anything in the next two days that will get you off your pick of the Rams? No. Nothing. Nothing. Short of an injury. Yeah, nothing's going to... Nothing. I'm, Sean I'm McVay gets the Rams. kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by John Elway. That <laughs> uh, be a good idea right. for you, huh? No, we got our guy, defensive mind. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Although Fangio is a brilliant defensive mind. That but, he is. Mm. And I got Chuck Pagano now. Mm. Yeah, he's all right, though. And not Vic Fangio uh, for your Bears, D.C. Run, run into defense, I'm fine with. Not running a whole team. No, true. And he's got a whole bunch of pieces to work with there, too, mm-hmm. on that defense. So, sound off. Um, just tweeted that it sold out in Iowa City on Friday night. Yeah, the yeah. Michigan game sold out. Yep. So, the question that we posed, you know, when we realized a month ago or so mm-hmm. that the Michigan Iowa State, the Michigan Iowa game was on a Friday night, what's that going to do? Will Hawkeye Nation come out? Mm-hmm. I guess we know the answer. People are eating it up. I love like it. The Friday game. I love it. I hate it. Yeah, it makes. I get the football. The Friday night you reserve for football because mm-hmm. you only get how many home games you get in football? Four, four to plus, five. Four to five, right? So I get that part. It's different for basketball. Why do you go? You got to work Friday because I work on Fridays. I got you. Well, I got you covered. I'll I'll watch. I'll DVR it. I know you I'll will. have a couple of pops when I get home and pop in the DVR for Iowa, Michigan. Uh, we've got a handicapper joining us tomorrow, right? Lee Sterling at what yes. time? Yes, uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Lee Sterling is going to be here. Uh, you can tune in for that. Murph and Andy are here at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Morning Rush gets you started tomorrow at 6. For Trent Condon, Ken Miller. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Last hour on the herd. Okay. You already got about five teams actively tanking. That may double in about a month. That's a problem for the NBA. And a 50000 fine is a complete con job. It's just, it's pretending they care about New Orleans. There's more to come right now in the herd. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. You guys can laugh at me all you want. This is The Herd. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Colin Cowherd. I'm setting the tone. Best show on radio. This is The Herd. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles. The Herd with Colin Cowherd starts now. Ah, hour two. We are live in Los Angeles. This is The Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we're on iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, FS1. Uh, again, please stay warm. Dangerously cold. Arctic blast weather in the Midwest. Minus 40, minus 50 degrees. Uh, terrifying for a lot of people. 
uh, young kids, older folks, stay warm. Uh, we're thinking of you. Brutal temperatures right now. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I, I, and I'm kind of a weather nerd. I like I watch the weather you channel. You are definitely a weather nerd. I'm a weather nerd. You were besides yourself over the the weather predictions for the Kansas City game. No, I know I'm I am in I am into weather. <laughs> you know, there's two things when you know you're getting old. You <laughs> yes. like you watch Meet the Press and the Weather Channel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And stewed tomatoes sound fascinating. No, uh, I still consider myself young, but I, I grew up. I wanted to be a weather guy for a long time. And really, I, yeah, I was. I liked. I used to watch the weather guys, and I was fascinated by all the maps. And then I started playing sports, and I said, I don't want to be a weather guy. I want to be a sports guy. So I'm into weather. And now let's go to Atlanta, where they they canceled school two days ago because it rained. That that's a not nearly as bad as what's going on in the Midwest. Willie McGinnis, 15 years in the NFL via the Coward Global Satellite Network. Three Super Bowl rings in the early 2000s. You were in the beginning of this dynasty, Willie. You were at the beginning of this, puppy. I want you to go back to 2001. Young Willie McGinnis. Wow. Na- naive Willie McGinnis. The young, the, the young <laughs> stylish Willie McGinnis. Were you nervous? Were you anxious? What do you remember? You were nervous. Um, I think we were more angry than anything because nobody gave us a chance in hell to go out and win this football game. We were huge underdogs in this game. Um, I think Madden or somebody said we would be losing by 30 at halftime. So (laughs) whenever we talked to the press, whenever we talked to the media, it was about the Rams and how great they were. And, oh, yeah, well, you guys are in this game too. So I think um, it was a little different atmosphere for us going into this game. And – you know, the result kind of came out a little di- bit different than what everybody expected. Now, do you feel the Rams are similarly being disrespected, that they have to constantly answer questions about Brady, Belichick, and the dynasty? Do you feel the Rams feel a little bit like your Patriots? Absolutely not. I think this team is deservingly uh, supposed to be here in this game. They've played great all year. They've been constructing this team for the last few years to, to get to this point. Um, when you look at the talent wise, I think it's balanced across the board on both, you know, both organizations. Nobody's saying that, you know, this team is way more talented than the other team. So I think the only thing you could talk about who has what advantage is probably experience and experience doesn't win football games, but it does prepare you for what's about to come. So I think this Rams team is confident. Um, their coaching staff is confident. The players are talented. Uh, you look, you compare both rosters. Talent-wise, I think maybe more people will lean towards the Rams as far as the talent goes. So I don't think there's no underdog in this football game. I think both teams deserve to be here. Both teams will go in and compete at a high level. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how this matchup is going gonna, is gonna to break down. So you won it in 2001. You skipped a year. Then you won rings in 2003, 2004. People forget, Willie, yep. that these early Super Bowls, those first three – Brady wasn't Brady. Take my audio, because I keep saying all week, I keep saying Jared Goff reminds me of Brady, but the last seven years of Brady, you know, we think of him as this LeBron-esque superstar. You were with Tom before he was the legend Tom. What do you remember about him then when he was a little skinnier and not nearly as efficient? (laughs) Well, you know what? Our... The, the first Super Bowl didn't depend on Tom's arm and, you know, he didn't have to go out and throw for 400, 500 yards and four touchdowns because our defense was the strength. But what he, what you did know about him, that he was going to give you an opportunity to win in a critical situation. Um, he was going to take care of the football. He wasn't going to do anything to hurt the team offensively and make good decisions. So yeah. I think when you look at the Tom from Super Bowl 36 versus now, he dictates, he dictates everything that goes on offensively. Like, he's been through it all. He's weathered every storm. He's been consistent throughout every two-minute situation with the game on the line, whether it's the Super Bowl or whether it's the AFC Championship or a regular season game. So the experience, um, knowing how to win in these big games, playing at a certain level, uh, that's the time now versus the time then. But, you know, I think with every single player, you see him grow every single year. You know, it's just crazy that it's his 19th season now, and he's still in the same game, in the same situation, with the same opportunity to win another Super Bowl. We really have a battle of cultures here. A New England's about the system. Star players have to take pay right. cuts. The Rams, uh, they take care of Donald. They took care of Gurley. They took care of Gurley a year right. early. Uh, they take care of guys. 
you know, one is more star comfortable, one is more leaning to system. Now that your career is over, 12 years New England, three Cleveland, you made your money, you have the rings. If I told you you could walk into the league today and have the, the New England system or the player empowerment system, what would you choose? I would go to the New England system because the players, you can't have, you can have a great system. You look at all the systems, Colin, throughout the entire league. You can have great systems and great coaching, but you got to have the players to go out to sacrifice individualism and buy in the team um, and to go out and execute those systems and play at a high level and be consistent. The one thing is, yeah, Belichick understands that he created a great system for us to play in but you still need a certain pedigree, a certain style of player to go out and play at a high level in that system. You know, you look at Sony Michelle and James White and Hightower and all these guys, McCourty, all these guys that's played in this system, Tom Brady for whatever, for 19 years. If you look at guys that play consistently in this system, Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback coming in, who's now a star receiver in this league, a system gives you an opportunity. The player if you go out and execute and play at a certain level and you're consistent, that gives you an opportunity to become a superstar or whatever with that, within a winning system. So you can have numbers and have stats and be great and come in to a certain place and don't win any games and never play in the biggest game of your life. Or you can buy into something and put team versus individualism and become a star within the system and win Super Bowls. I choose that any day, hands down. Willie McGinnis, an all-time great, busy guy. We're going to let you go in Atlanta. We appreciate you giving us seven, eight minutes of your time, Willie. Thank you. See you back in L.A. Always a pleasure, Colin. Thank you. You bet. By the way, you know, it was about two years ago. You know, one of my criticisms of the American media, myself included, I created something a few years ago called Collins Right, Collins Wrong on Monday. And the reason I did is because I saw so few people in the American media, political or sports, tech media, political media, sports media, acknowledging, yeah, I whiffed on that one. So I created a segment, 10 minutes every Monday. It's our highest rated segment, by the way. I acknowledge. I have strong opinions. Sometimes I whiff. One of my frustrations with the political media and sports media, but more the political media, they never admit when they're wrong. They create a narrative, and they'll be damned if they're going to change it, even if the candidate, the Senate, the congressman, the governor has a good day, good week, good policy. Um, about a couple years ago, the media announced that football would no longer last in 15 years. It was ending soon. It was simply too dangerous. The NFL, always nimble, has done a tremendous job in just two years to make this game safer. One player is missing from the Super Bowl. I watched the Lakers Sixers last night. Three starters were out. One player is missing from the Super Bowl in this violent game. Think you could acknowledge that in a tweet? But it is interesting because the one player most of you didn't see in college, I got lucky. His name is Cooper Cup. He went to school where I went to school, Eastern Washington. One of the reasons I like New England in this game is I don't think the Rams have ever been the same since he got hurt. He's the only missing starter. If you look at Jared Goff's numbers with him and without him, there is a stark, stark difference. We think Goff is tied to Gurley.